I still have a, a really nasty cough, which I don't really know where it came from. I think it's probably pneumonia at this point. Uh, but I'm going to stick to the true huffed way and not go to the doctor because if they don't tell you something's wrong, then you're fine, right? So uh, if I start coughing at some point and can't breathe, you know, somebody just come hit me in the chest. That'll help usually. Uh, I'm super excited about today. I've, I've really enjoyed this series. I hope that you guys have as well. Um, I, I tell you this all the time. I preach as much to myself as I'm preaching to you. And as I study throughout the week, I feel like I'm always learning things. You know, a lot of times I've, I've been preaching and in ministry for 14, 15 years now. I mean, since I was 18. So I'm young, but I've, I've been doing it for a long time. So I've covered, I feel like almost every passage, but when I come back to something and I read it, I feel like every time I read it, I'm able to pull something new and something else out of it. And today's no exception. So I'm, I'm pretty excited about it today. Today we're talking about judgment, right? Judgment. But um, kind of through the lens of how we judge other people, right? How we judge other people and how we should allow God to be that judge. Okay, so we're going to be in Romans as we have been. It's going to be chapter 14. We're going to look at verses 1 through 23. I'm going to chunk them up. All the verses will be on the screen. They should be ESV. So today what I read and what's up there should match. And if it doesn't, it's because Phil screwed up, not me. <laughs> just, just kidding, Phil. Just kidding. But starting in, in verse 1, going to verse 4, it says, As for the one who is weak in faith, welcome him, but not to quarrel over opinions, one person believes he may eat anything while the weak person eats only vegetables. Amen. Just kidding. Just kidding. Just kidding. Verse 3. Let not the one who eats despise the one who abstains, and let not the one who abstains pass judgment on the one who eats, for God has welcomed him. Who are you to pass judgment on the servant of another? It is before his own master that he stands or falls, and he will be upheld, for the Lord is able to make him stand. Now, the first four verses of chapter 14, which we just read, really come with a pretty simple instruction, I think, and it's this. Let's not make mountains out of molehills, right? That is a Southwest Missouri saying, if I've ever heard one, but let's not make mountains out of molehills, right? Don't take a tiny issue and make it a big issue. There's no reason to do that. We have lots of issues that are worth our time, that are worth our debate, that are worth our effort and energy to make sure that we are adhering to. Lots of times, though, we've spend the most time and the most focus on things that really don't have eternal consequences and therefore they shouldn't be something that we bother with. Okay? So we don't want to make mountains out of molehills. Now, in our faith, we have people that are all at all different walks, right? All different stages in their walk. Some are brand new Christians, some have been Christians for decades. You know, and, and so it stands to reason that with that different experience level, there are going to be some different uh, understandings of variance in the position that we have on, on various issues. There's going to be different stances, different understandings uh, about Scripture and about certain issues. And, and the message from Paul is this, don't judge one another or reject one another over such issues, Right? Here's the thing, we will never change lives if our focus is on how we differ from others rather than how we all differ from Scripture. I'm going to say that again. We will never change lives if our focus is on how we differ from others rather than how we all differ from Scripture. Jesus, being the Son of God, that's a major issue. That's something that we should iron out, right? You can't be a Christian and say Jesus is not the Son of God. 
It's a foundational pillar of our faith. That is something that all must adhere to, right? But you use the NIV, I use the ESV, we've got people over there hanging out with King Jimmy. That's not really a thing that we need to argue about, right? It's just not. These are all versions. They're all translations from an original scripture. And if you're going to hammer home about you should use this or you should use that, you better go learn yourself some Greek and Hebrew. Okay? Because that's the closest thing to the original that we have. So if you ain't reading that, do your best. Right? Do your best. But we're not judging one another on that issue. And yet we see sometimes that that becomes a major sticking point for a lot of people. In these situations, what Paul wants you to understand is that your judgment isn't going to bring someone down. And not only that, you don't have the right to judge the servant of another master. What does he mean by that? We are all servants of who? A living God, right? He is our master. We are susceptible to his judgment and his judgment alone. So the fact that we want to pass judgment on other people for little things All that's doing is wasting our time and effort. That is not condemning them. That is not changing them. That is not correcting them, right? They are accountable to one person only, and that is their master. And Paul goes on to tell us that that Jesus, God, right? He is going to make sure that they stand. The exact verses, and he will be upheld, for the Lord is able to make him stand. Let's move on to uh, verse 5, okay? We're going to look at verse 5 and through verse 8 right now. It says, one person esteems one day as better than the other, while another esteems all days alike. Each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. The one who observes the day observes it to honor the Lord. The one who eats, eats in honor of the Lord. So he gets, since he gives thanks to God, while the one who abstains, abstains in honor of the Lord and gives thanks to God. For none of us lives to himself, and none of us dies to himself. For if we live, we live to the Lord, and if we die, we die to the Lord. So then, whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. Paul goes on to explain that the differences we face in certain areas isn't what's important. It's why the differences exist. Okay? And that's something that I think that we have to really grasp as Christians. Because if you drive through the middle of Springfield, Missouri, out through Republic and take a circle, whichever way that exists, okay, you will pass Church of Christ, you will pass Assemblies of God, you will pass Southern Baptists, you will pass this, that, and the other, right? You, you will find all these different denominations. And the reason that they exist is because there are people who view things slightly differently, right? And that's a good thing, believe it or not. That's a good thing. It's a good thing that we aren't completely cemented in one line of thinking on certain issues because it is able to better expand the family of God. Why those differences exist is less, uh, sorry, let me rephrase that. The fact that those differences exist is far less important than why. And Paul goes on to explain the why here, right? If you are making a choice in an earnest attempt to honor the Lord 
and the choice is one that isn't prohibited by Scripture, then what matters isn't what I feel about the choice. It's about the Lord only, right? You are accountable to the Lord only. And so Paul's trying to explain that, listen, there's this person over there and they're eating everything, right? And there's this person over here and they're only eating vegetables. But they are both doing it in an earnest attempt to honor the Lord. And they both, both feel that what they are doing is right. And they have a good and clean and clear conscience about it. And so for each one, as we'll see, it is right. For each one, it is right. Because they are doing it earnestly to honor the Lord. And so if you think that you should only read the Bible in King James in an earnest attempt to honor the Lord, I will tell you, I don't agree with you, but I will also tell you that doesn't matter. Because if you are genuinely, earnestly doing it to honor the Lord and not to put that gold star on, right? If you're genuinely doing it to honor the Lord, then do it. Then absolutely do it. Regardless of the choices we make in these areas, again, things that are not specified yea or nay in Scripture. Does that make sense? If Scripture strictly prohibits something, that's the end of it. But if there is some wiggle room, we are responsible to the Lord and to our own earnest belief. And, and we're going to, like I said, we'll, we'll expand. We're going to look at that. So let's look at verses 9 through 12 where Paul really provides a theological basis for his instruction. He says, For the end, to this end, Christ died and lived again, that he might be Lord both of the dead and of the living. Why do you pass judgment on your brother? Or why do you despise your brother? For we will stand before the judgment seat of God, for it is written, As I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall confess to God. So then each of us will give an account of himself to God. Christ died and rose in part to be Lord of all. He died and he rose to be Lord of all. And in doing so, he has earned the position of judge and jury. He has earned the position to pass the final judgment on our brothers and sisters in Christ. And when it comes down to it, we are going to be accountable for our own actions. Phil is going to be accountable for Phil. Paul is going to be accountable for Paul, right? We will stand before the Lord and we will give an account. And we won't get to say, well, Phil told me this, or Paul told me that. We have a responsibility to God. We have a responsibility to God to, to do what we feel like, okay, the Lord is calling us to do. I hope this is making sense. Each of us, therefore, is susceptible to judgment. All of us will be judged but it shouldn't be by one another. Too much time is spent arguing in churches over the color of the drapes. Well, I think they should be maroon. Well, no, they should be crimson, right? Or the keyboard's not in the right spot, which it isn't. It should be over there, right? I'm kidding. 
But we, we argue about these things like they matter, like they have eternal consequences, like they are, they are going to be what changes someone's life. We take time away from winning souls to win arguments, and that's gross. I don't really have another way to say it. I thought about some eloquent way to say it. I couldn't come up with one. We take time away from winning souls to win arguments, and that is gross. It is gross. It should not be taking place. We are equally under Christ, and therefore, we should not quarrel. I'm going to take you back to Romans 12, 18, I think from our first week. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Live peaceably with all. Again, there are times we must take a stand. There are things worth fighting for. And we find those things in Scripture. But there are also things that are unworthy of the time God has given us, that distract from our true purpose, that take away from His glory and His grace and turn people away from the church. And if we participate in that, if we participate in that, I don't want to have to stand before God and give my account. And he's like, okay, talk to me about this carpet issue in 2018 where y'all blew up the church because somebody wanted Berber and the other wanted Shag. And I mean, I could make a pretty good argument for why Shag is gross. I'm kidding. Right? But do you understand what I'm trying to, where I'm trying to get to? Why do we worry about things that are not worth worrying about? Paul goes on to say in verse 13, Therefore, let us not pass judgment on one another any longer, but rather decide never to put a stumbling block or hindrance in the way of a brother. I know and I am persuaded in the Lord Jesus that nothing is unclean in itself, but it is unclean for anyone who thinks it is unclean. And that's where we go back to we are responsible to our conscience. Right? We are responsible to our conscience. If it is a sin to you, then guess what? You are sinning and you need to stop. But if someone is doing something that, again, is not expressly prohibited by Scripture, then leave them alone. Leave them alone. Here's what happens. Not only are we to avoid passing judgment on others for what they do, but we should avoid passing judgment on others for what they don't do, right? We should avoid passing judgment on others for what they don't do. Christians, we have this weird things where we sometimes like to wear gold stars on both sides of the issue, right? Like, I never drink alcohol, gold star, right? Gold star. And then you have like a sect of Christians that's like, I love margaritas, gold star, right? Like, I'm a Christian, but I can have fun too. You know what I'm saying? And, and I won't tell you what camp I find myself in, but some of y'all know, okay? <laughs> some of y'all know. But here's what I want you to understand today. You can be a Christian, and you can take both stances. You can be a Christian who says, I feel like 
it is sinful for me to have alcohol, and so I'm not going to do it, and you're right. And you can be a Christian that says, I think it's perfectly fine to have a beer with dinner, and if I can control myself and not turn into a violent sinner or whatever else that can sometimes happen when you partake too much, guess what? You can also be right. You can also be right. Because what the Bible speaks out against is drunkenness. What the Bible speaks out against is using alcohol in pagan rituals. The Bible also tells you that they had wine with their meal a million times. It's probably because the water was gross, but they still had the wine, right? And, and if you think something is sinful, then avoid it. If you think something is sinful, then avoid it. But again, if you could drink a margarita and control yourself, then partake, have at it. But, and this is where it's important, not if it causes your brother or sister to stumble. If you're out with friends and you know everyone in that friend group is okay with you partaking and you know there's not a risk of you really running into somebody who might have a problem with you partaking, partake. But if you're out with a certain friend and you know, you know that they are anti-alcohol or even worse, you know that they in their past have struggled with alcohol and you are partaking in front of them, then you are sinning. Then you are sinning because you are putting a stumbling block in front of your brother. You are giving them something to hinder their faith and take away their attention from God. 15, let's listen to this. Let's go to verse 15. It says, For if your brother is grieved by what you eat, you are no longer walking in love. By what you eat, do not destroy the one for whom Christ died. So do not let what you regard as good be spoken of as evil. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Whoever thus serves Christ is acceptable to God and approved by men. Here's what we have to understand. Mindfulness and weakness do not equate. Mindfulness and weakness do not equate. And there is a certain part of our world today that will tell you that if you bend at all for someone's el someone else's belief, then you are weak. If you bend at all for someone else's belief, then you are weak. Might it be that you're actually loving? Might it be that you're actually loving? I mean, if, if you have a friend who's Muslim and they're going through Ramadan and they're fasting and they're doing all those things, is it weak to do your best not to eat in front of them or be like, hey, do you want some of this? You know, like, that's just common courtesy. If I was fasting because I felt like God was calling me to fast and I made that known at least to the point where I was like, I'm just not eating today and somebody continually tried to get me to eat, I would be offended, right? I'd at least get frustrated and I'm sure I'd become angry because I hadn't been eating. And if you know me, that ain't good. Hungry turns to hangry real quick. Now I'm fasting and you've been powerbombed through a table. We can be respectful of different views and opinions both inside the church and outside the church. 
We shouldn't ever be the reason that somebody falls away from God or never comes to him in the first place. We have a responsibility. We have a responsibility to be respectful to one another. And make no mistake about it, being respectful of others is the right call. Is the right call. When your fellow believer holds a strong belief to disregard that feeling in favor of your liberty because you don't have the same conviction, that's sinful. And it's wrong. And it shouldn't take place. Not only that, but as verse 16 explains, you're opening what you consider an acceptable thing, an okay thing, a good thing, to judgment, to blasphemy, right? To being misjudged, which is really what blasphemy is. You're, you're opening up that thing to them seeing it as sinful and then them seeing you as sinful, and that may not be correct. But again, it can be avoided. It can be avoided. In the end, it's not about our feelings. It's not about our comings or goings. It's about serving the Lord in all that we do. That's got to be the focus. Not, I have the right to do this, so I will. How can I best serve the Lord in this situation? How can I best serve the Lord in this situation? We have to ensure that building each other up becomes our priority, not tearing each other down. So as verse 19 through 21 says, so then let us pursue what makes for peace and for mutual upbuilding. Do not for the sake of food destroy the work of God. Everything is indeed clean, but it is wrong for anyone to make another stumble by what he eats. It is not good to eat meat or drink wine or do anything that causes your brother to stumble. As Paul explained in 1 Corinthians 10, 23, and it's not going to be up there, so I encourage you to look it up. All things are lawful, but not all things are helpful. Sometimes just because you can doesn't mean that you should. Do nothing, nothing that causes someone else to stumble. We have a mutual responsibility to each other as brothers and sisters in Christ to build one another up. Up building, as it says. We have a responsibility to build one another up, to make one another better. And we can do that by being mindful, by being respectful, and by not letting what we can do affect what we should do. Verse 22 says, The faith that you have keep between yourself and God. Blessed is the one who has no reason to pass judgment on himself for what he approves. But whoever has doubts is condemned if he eats because the eating is not from faith. For whatever does not proceed from faith is sin. Here's Paul's parting advice. If you possess doubt about something, then adhere to your doubt. Adhere to your doubt. If you don't think you should, don't. Caution doesn't make a sinner. Okay? Caution doesn't make a sinner. But misplaced judgment and negative influence certainly do. Let's pray. 
God, I come to you right now today, and I thank you for this day. I thank you for your word. God, I pray that it is encouraging to us today, that we are able to see areas in our life where we can make improvements, that you would help us to be individuals who respect one another and love one another, who don't place stumbling blocks in front of our brother and sister in Christ, who say, yes, I know I can do this, and I don't feel like it's a sin, but I understand that they struggle with it or they have a hard time with it, and so I'm going to abstain out of respect because I don't want to put anything in their path that might make them trip or might make them fall. I don't want to put anything in their path that's going to make them turn away. God, you love us. And because you love us, you hold us to high standards. And we will face judgment for the areas that we fall, but that judgment is yours. It's not ours. God, I pray that you would convict us of the things in our life that we need to let go of, the petty arguments that we have that don't have eternal consequences, things that we allow to be bigger than the gospel. Father, how sinful that is. And yet we are sinful and we are human. So from time to time, we make mistakes. God, if we've made those mistakes, I pray that you bring us to repentance, that you help us to seek out the brother and sister that we have wronged, and that you help us to seek forgiveness from them. God, move us in a direction that as we go forward, we chase after holy things. We chase after building one another up. We chase after strong relationships and loving attitudes. May our lives adhere to Scripture. May we follow it even in the areas that we want to stray. May we love one another as you have loved us. I ask these things in Jesus' powerful name. Amen. We're going to stand right now and we're going to worship. And God is worthy of that worship. I know for me personally, I worship because there is judgment that I should be facing that I no longer have to face because of what Jesus Christ did on that cross. And he is my personal Lord and Savior and I'm not afraid to say it. But maybe you can't say that. Maybe you can't. And so today you need to talk to me about what that relationship looks like. Don't leave today without having that conversation. If there's even a shred of doubt in your mind, we need to talk. We need to talk. If you need prayer today, there will be people all around this room this morning that are going to be willing to pray for you, myself included. Joy, can I have you stand over here to the left, if you don't mind? And Shane, I'm going to have you just go straight back. Jerrica, can I ask you? I don't know I normally don't. I'm going to have you go back over that way. So you've got Shane in the back. You've got Jerrica and Joy. I would also love to pray with you. You can use our stage as an altar if there's something you need to pray about. You have heard us say it time and time again. There is power in prayer. Prayer changes things because we are praying to an almighty God who is in control of anything and everything. And so if there's something in your life worthy of his hand, worthy of him working, and maybe worthy is not a good word because a lot of us look at that and say, well, I'm not worthy or there's bigger issues out there in the world or I know other people have it worse than I do. That's not what I mean. What I mean is if there is a situation in your life that you believe God can work, then you need to take that issue to God 
and you need to ask him to do so. Because as scripture tells us, and we talked about it in Salt Group this morning, it tells us that if we ask, we shall receive. God is here to provide. And that's not prosperity gospel, that is truth. Sometimes his provision doesn't look like the way we want it to look, but he is here to provide. So pray, so pray. Otherwise, I ask that you stand and you worship and you reflect. This is your time to give God what he is due.